The stage is dark, but the conversation is just beginning. Welcome back to the Ghostlight Podcast, a behind-the-curtain look into the world of classical music and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Jeff Counts. Well, I'm your usual host, Jeff Counts. I'm joined today by our producer, our very capable producer, Chad Call, who is turning the tables on me today. He's your host. In fact, I'm your guest. So, Chad, I hand it over to you. It's nice to have you in the hot seat today. <laughs> I don't like it at all. <laughs> I had no say in this, by the way. We needed to do something. This is our 30th episode know. of the Ghostlight Podcast. Congratulations to you. Yeah, and to you as well. <laughs> but uh, we thought it would be great. We've had some listener feedback. Okay. And we've learned a little bit about your musical background and your experience. Yeah. And I think now it's time to hear the full story. <laughs> I'll do my best to live up to the standards of our guests. Absolutely. Okay. Let's go ahead and get started. All right. In addition to being the host of the Ghostlight Podcast, yeah. you were also Vice President of Operations and General Manager for Utah Symphony. Correct. Let's hear a little bit about that. Very long title. It's a mouthful, I know. Um, <laughs> basically, all those words mean logistics. My job is to manage the team that puts the shows on stage. Yeah. So whatever's happening backstage, whatever's happening to make the lights go on, to make the microphones work, uh, to make sure that all the music stands and chairs are in the right place, that's our team. Yeah. That's operations. To that's make a logistics. show. Absolutely. Yeah. So basically, we're if you see us ever, something's wrong. <laughs> so many things to do, yeah. especially yeah, leading right up to the performance. Yeah. In the past episodes, like we'd mentioned, we've heard a little bit about your musical background. Yeah. Let's hear a little bit more about that. How did you get uh, involved with Utah Symphony? I got involved with Utah Symphony. I was working for an orchestra in Tampa. Um, I was the personnel manager there. And I had been spending many, many years before that working as a freelance French horn player yeah. across the state of Florida. And, you know, I was young. I was newly married. We didn't have kids. It was an easy life to drive all over the place and just play with orchestras all around the southeast part of the country. And I had a blast. It was great. I loved playing the horn. I loved getting all these experiences. But I did start to get tired. My wife and I bought a house. I wanted to spend more time with her there. So I applied for the job of personnel manager at the Florida Orchestra. Now, personnel manager is the person who deals with the day-to-day -day life of the orchestra members. Yeah. All of their schedules, all of their basic needs. A lot of personalities you have to deal with. A lot with. of personalities you have to yeah. deal with. So I had been an elementary school music teacher for a while and dealt with a lot of personalities there. And oh, I thought, yeah. you know, maybe this will translate. If you I, can handle the kids, you can handle sure. the adults. I had no idea what I was talking about, <laughs> but I applied for the job and to my great surprise, got it. I couldn't believe it. It was only later that I found out that no one else applied. D don't tell people that yeah, part of the story. They kind of had no choice. <laughs> 200 people applied. That was the moment when I changed from a performing musician to a a professional administrator and my horn playing has become less and less and less over the years. I just don't get to do it as much anymore as I'd like to. I still do it once in a while. Get a sneak back into the French horn section. Yeah, sometimes. Well, hardly ever into a section, but <laughs> <laughs> you're there if they need you. Yeah. Right. Right. Being so close to the conductors, guest artists and the musicians, yeah. as you just mentioned, yeah. I'm sure you have a lot of great stories to tell and probably some that you shouldn't. There's a whole list I'll tell you off mic. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Are there any that you can tell us on mic? Some of these interesting experiences that you've had with sure. interactions with guests, artists or musicians it's funny chad the ones i remember most are the bad ones you know <laughs> the ones that nearly nearly ruined my career um i remember once at the deer valley music festival we were we had an artist a big name artist 
singing with Utah Symphony. That artist will remain nameless. <laughs> until the 100th episode. Right, until the 100th. Maybe I'll reveal it at that time. People who know me will know who I'm talking about. But there was a curfew at the venue. Basically, the orchestra contract made it so that we had to stop at a certain time each night. Okay. And we almost never got close to that because yeah. we planned the programs in a way that there's a little bit of a buffer zone. But on this particular night, we were getting close. And I started to tell the artist manager, look, we can't go past 945. I don't want to pay overtime to the orchestra. Please just... Let the artist know we have to stop soon. And the, the manager said, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. We're just about to get to the point where the artist was about to do their very, very famous encore that they do in every show. Yeah. And I made an executive decision. I pulled the plug. I said, we're done. And the artist said to the entire gathered crowd of 5,000 people, <laughs> well, I can't sing such and such a song because the orchestra's making me stop. <laughs> Sorry. Just running a tight ship. <laughs> they booed us. It was... Not a riot, but it felt like one to me. And I realized the value of a dollar at that point because <laughs> paying the overtime would have been a much wiser choice than actually upsetting that artist at the point that oh, they yeah. called me out on stage. You but have to have an escort out to your car. No, <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad, but um, there are still people who hate me because of that event. <laughs> That's The thing about that experience, that could happen at any concert. At any concert at any time. And I've been faced with that decision multiple times since. And I've made various calls based on the circumstances, and I've never had quite the same negative feedback that I got on that day. So let's talk a little bit about the Ghostlight Podcast, Sure. how this came to be. Uh -huh. It seems like you have so much going on on your plate already yeah. to throw this into it as well. Yeah. Do you have experience in broadcasting, background, and interests? Let's hear a little bit more about how this came to be. A little bit of experience. I've been on some local podcasts uh, periodically in the yeah. past, not as a regular member, but as just a sort of contributor now and then. And I've also been involved with a movie review show oh, that is sponsored awesome. by Xfinity that's on in Utah, Colorado, and in New Mexico. I've been doing that for about three years now. So that's a lot of on-camera time talking about movies, which I really, really love. That's great. This podcast wasn't the first time I've done anything quite like this, but a regular interview show of this nature, it's definitely a new thing for me. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. And you have a lot of information because in addition to the position we talked about earlier, you do a lot of writing yeah. for the orchestra as well. Yeah, I used to be the program annotator for the Utah Symphony. I don't do that anymore because, frankly, it's just way too time consuming. Oh, yeah. But I do still write articles for the opera. That's only four articles a year I can manage that. So uh, every time there's an opera, I take, a, I take the subject matter and try to do something quirky and interesting and get the audience thinking about the topic in a different way. And I absolutely love that. I was looking with my wife recently at the sort of catalog of work I have now. I've written for like 25 operas now at this That's point. That's incredible. I've got almost a book's worth of stuff. I need you can to just go about. back, pull up uh, what you need. Well, if they ever repeat anything, I'm going to yank <laughs> it out of the drawer. That's for sure. <laughs> Even in our season brochure, you did a lot of the writing for the yeah, concerts. Yeah, that's how you and I actually met each other yeah. is I did some copywriting for the concerts. It's been a while since I've done that too. But writing about music, writing about art is something that I'm going to try to always keep in my life. It's Absolutely. really important. In addition to your other responsibilities, yeah. you're quite a world traveler. Yes. Seems like when we do the show, we always have to book it around times you'll be actually in Utah. <laughs> you recently traveled to South Korea yeah. with Maestro Fisher. Yes. Uh, can you talk about that experience? What were you guys doing there? How was the orchestra? Let's yeah, hear about so that. Maestro Fisher was named the principal conductor of the Seoul Philharmonic last, last year. And this was his first official concert. This was back in March of, of 2017 when I was there. It was his first official concert as their principal conductor. And I had joked with him when he first got the job because we're good friends. I said, I'm going to come out there on your first, for your first concert. And as it got closer, we talked about it more. And I just decided I'm going to be as good as my word and I'm going to do this. So I'd never been to Korea. I'd never been to uh, Asia, East Asia at all, actually. 
um, I bought the ticket and flew out there, saw the orchestra perform twice, went to rehearsals, met all his colleagues there. Absolutely amazing experience. Great to see my friend having this international success, but also great for me personally just to experience this culture, which I found just thrilling. I can't wait to go back. Did you notice anything that stood out in the orchestra compared to orchestras in America? There was one thing that happened after every concert that I found fascinating, and it's the kind of thing that would never happen in America. At the end of the concert, the, or- the conductor usually has the, the orchestra stand okay. and you know acknowledge the applause of the audience. And when yeah. he leaves the stage, they sit back down. And if the applause is uproarious enough, the conductor will come back out and stand up the orchestra again, sometimes as many as three times. In many cases, the orchestra, when it's ready to go, the concertmaster will just sort of leave the stage. And the okay. orchestra knows that's their cue to leave. And the audience knows, okay, enough clapping. Well, every night that we got to that moment where the clapping either was dying down or the orchestra had decided it was time to leave the stage, all of the string players would hug their stand partner. (laughs) All of them, Chad. Yeah, you do not see that here. That would never happen in America. (laughs) And I was sitting there as the general manager of an American orchestra counting lawsuits. (laughs) (laughs) Just not possible. It was so endearing, so wonderful. I mean... I think every orchestra should be forced to do this. <laughs> Absolutely. We need to bring that custom here. Absolutely. You need to congratulate your stand partner on a with, great performance. With a hug. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'd be great to see here. Yeah, it was. Well, Jeff, let's get to the fun part of the show. Okay. Because of the name, the Ghost yeah. Light Podcast, yeah. we ask all of our guests if they have ever seen a ghost. Mm-hmm. And we have heard the good, the bad, and the ugly. We sure have. <laughs> we sure have. And surprisingly, a lot that are very similar. Yeah. So, Jeff... Now it's your chance to be in the hot seat. Have you ever seen a ghost? I have the same answer that a lot of our guests do, which is no personally. But I do have a story (laughs) for you that affects me. I grew up mostly in Melbourne, Florida, a little town on the East Coast. And the house that my mom and stepdad bought when, when we first moved there was a house that my aunt, my mom's sister, had lived in prior. And my aunt was a flamboyant personality. Just... When when she was in the room, she held court. And I remember being very young and her being in that house with us and telling a story of walking down. It had one sort of central hallway. It's a very tiny house, but it had one little central hallway that all the rooms came off of, off of. And she was walking down that hallway one night late. At the end of it, as clear as she said we were sitting in front of her, a spectral woman, a ghost. Oh, my. Like the flowing clothes, the, yeah. the creepy hair, the whole bit standing at the end of the hallway, staring at her. And she said she took one of those steps and stopped and had one of those okay moments, turned around to walk back to the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. She turned around to walk back to the kitchen to kind of clear her head and clearly felt that ghost woman shove her from behind. She felt a hand. Touched her. She felt a hand in the middle of her back shove her. (laughs) Now, I mean, as a kid living in this house. Oh, I was freaked out for years. Did the for sale sign go up? (laughs) (laughs) If I'd been in if I'd been in control, it would have. I couldn't walk down that hallway without thinking of that crazy lady. Of course. For for the entire time we lived in that house, I would run and dive into the door of my room (laughs) just to not be in that hallway. So you didn't have any run-ins. Never saw her. That's incredible. Never saw her, but it didn't matter. She scared me anyways. That's got to be our best ghost story so far. We actually so. had a ghost and touching of a ghost. Yeah, physical contact. <laughs> I don't think that can be topped. <laughs> so good job. Well, somebody will, I'm sure. <laughs> Jeff Counts, host of the Ghost Light Podcast. Thank you for being on our 30th episode. Thank you, Chad. 
The Ghost Light Podcast is produced and edited by Chad Call. Utah Symphony Utah Opera season sponsor is the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation. 